0: On today's special All Hot Topics episode of Rice, we'll be tackling the NBA players boycott, Canadian restaurants closing, the VMAs and Rain On Me, and so much more. What up, what up listeners, and welcome to the Rice Asian Comedy Podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. I'm your host, Fong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians. And on our panel, we've got Leonard Chan.
1: Hey, how's everybody doing?
0: And Jennifer Shang.
2: Hello, everybody.
0: Okay, so um, so today's episode is actually a special All Hot Topics episode. And uh, what we'll be doing is we'll just be bouncing back and forth. Um, everybody on the panel has submitted um, different topics that they really care about right now. So we will start out with Leonard Chan, who's going to talk about a new story about how Canadian restaurants are on the verge of closing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so more than half of canadian restaurants might close permanently within months mm. uh, like 29% of restaurants can't open during this pandemic mm. 31% of them can can only be open for like 90 days with social distancing rules cuz like profit margins on restaurants are horrible they're like 4 to 6% at the best of times mm. so just mathematically it can they just it won't work like and so many have already closed down and like so many comedy venues like 120 diner uh, the Ossington is gone now yeah. Um, oh i didn't you know, i didn't hear about the ozington yeah. oh that happened like today yeah. or yesterday yeah, yeah, or something yeah. And, yeah so it's gonna be really rough like i don't know i mean obviously um you know with restaurants closing down like all those people who work in restaurants are going to be out of a job that's like 1.2 million canadians that's like 30 billion dollars worth of payroll and then it's just going to go up the chain right so the people who sell the food to the restaurants mm. they're going to lose business the people who the farmers who make that food i mean I mean, people are still going to eat. I guess the food's just going to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, man. It's going to be rough. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like. It's just going to be chains, you know? Like, the well, chains might survive. Have you... the cool eaten? independence?
2: Are- oh, sorry. Have you guys eaten indoors yet? Like, especially when winter comes, right? You're talking the end of patio season, because right now they still have that. So some restaurants yeah. are taking advantage. of yeah. you guys- it
1: yeah, once I, how was it it was it was interesting there was like a big family there and i was just and it wasn't far enough away for us to be far enough away from them mm. and i'm just like i don't know i don't love mm. this mm. and you obviously you can't wear a mask while you eat so no like, yeah you know, a little bit I, yeah, know.
2: I find that really bizarre because the rules are when you enter an establishment you need to wear a mask and people are having fights over this. And yet, if you think about it, restaurants are like, like arguably you go into shoppers without a mask. Okay, fine, you're breathing. But when you go into a restaurant without a mask and you're like <laughs> inhaling and eating, that's even more like, you know, flurries of human spit in the air. So it's kind of hypocritical. And also I, I feel bad that they're in this bind, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just, the nature of human physiology. Like,
2: maybe oh. maybe
1: it's gonna be like a new business where you have to go into restaurants and just like feed you intravenously.
2: Or a tube. Like just yeah, exactly. A feeding tube. I don't know. That's disgusting. Can you imagine? They just blend everything. There's your filet mignon, like and you breathe like a chamber. God.
1: Yeah, it sucks, man, because I love food. And like I I like cooking, but I don't have time to cook all the time. I wanna go out. I wanna like, you know. I know. Good food. But you can I mean you still can you can do like takeaway and stuff like that, but I don't like I it's not gonna like they're not gonna be able to sustain through just takeaway. It's no like it's some might food but, food but food
2: like you too. Know. Like all those boxes are not recyclable. Yeah. Mm. Yeah like, And the food is limp.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ended up I've eaten inside a couple restaurants now, but both times I ate indoors, I was the only customer, like me and my friend, who went. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I felt super safe because like nobody else was there. Yeah. But once it yeah. starts filling up, I have no idea how I'm going to feel. Um, and it, it's kind of sad because my, so my, my parents ran two different Thai restaurants. Um, When I was growing up and Leonard's totally right. It's the margins are so low. And like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know about the rest of Canada, but I know in Ontario, I put a lot of blame on the conservative party because the benefit or the assistance they were giving to small businesses um, for, you know, whatever financial relief um, it was actually through the landlords and not through the, um the the tenants and most of the landlords didn't want to apply for the relief and to put that in the hands of people who weren't going to apply for it was just crazy and now we're going through the repercussions of that so
1: yeah. i hope you guys enjoy Wendy's
2: <laughs> <laughs> i do fucking what's that? you know, you know what i just tried the new uh, the yeah. KFC
1: plant-based menu mm. oh it's good.
2: Oh, really? Okay. I'm going
1: to... Because look, when a corporation like does something I like, I will give them my money, right? I want to encourage them to do more of it. And it's like, honestly, like the, the chicken sandwich, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known it wasn't chicken, you know? And that's oh. really all I ask of vegan meat substitutes is I want it to be a convincing lie. like any good relationship
0: (laughs) honestly this is a bit of a bit of a tangent and we'll probably go through it more we've one of our main topics in a future episode is is food and the culture around um asian food but for me i don't like this these plant-based burgers because for me i feel like the difference between like asian vegetarians and western vegetarians is like The Mm. veggie food here is like tofurkey or it's like, it's trying to be meat. But like if you have vegetarian Asian food, it's elevating the vegetables. It's not trying to be meat. Like the things you have to do to a vegetable to make it taste like meat. I don't even want to know. Okay. (laughs) I don't even want to know. I think it's even worse that I can't, I should be able to tell the difference. So if I can't, there's something very wrong. You injected <laughs> that shit with I don't know what. But anyway, that's not our topic today. So I'm, I'm going to move um, past it and save that for a food episode. Um, I don't know,
1: man. Witchcraft is delicious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, going back over to Jennifer for the next topic. This is a very personal topic um, to Jennifer, and I'll let her explain the details. But a... A um, a uh, Australian journalist or a journalist currently operating for an Australian channel has been detained by China. So let's head on over to Jennifer for her thoughts.
2: So actually, Vong, um, she is she was born in China and she uh, left China when she was ten years old to go live in Australia with her family. So she's actually an Australian citizen who used to work. With me at China Central Television's English Language Department, which was now renamed China Global Television Network. And I found out a day ago when I logged onto Facebook and saw, like, we have this group called uh, Beijingers Abroad, like this Facebook, a mm-hmm. uh, huge mm-hmm. Facebook group, because there's so many people who have lived in Beijing or China and they're not there anymore. And um, my former, another former, Co-worker of mine, who's working, I think, in Turkey, had posted this article that said uh, Chung Lei, Australian citizen, journalist, anchor or anchor for CGTN, has been detained by the Chinese authorities for days, and no one has heard anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, thank God she has two children. She's a single mother who had a pretty tumultuous like relationship, from what. I understand and what she has told people publicly so she was raising these two young children i i believe they're like younger than 12 years old by herself in beijing but thank god they're with their grandparents in australia right now and what's happening is um the australian government basically confirmed that she's been detained by chinese authorities and under what they're calling residential surveillance in a unknown location. So it's all very vague. We don't we don't know any details about where exactly that is, if it's a prison, if she has any contact, but she was allowed to have a meeting with some Australian diplomats via like a Zoom link or not a Zoom link, a video link. Um when the spokesperson for China's Foreign Ministry was asked about, you know, the details of this case, she said we can't tell you specifics. But rest assured, this will be handled according to the law. And by law, we know what that means, Chinese law, which could mean really anything. And Now, this isn't the first time that you might think it's bizarre, like CGTN is technically an arm of the government. It's a Chinese-owned station, and yet they're detaining their own people a person not only just born in China, well, we know that they've done that, right, to their own <laughs> citizens.
1: But, yeah, China detaining its own people is nothing
2: exactly. new. Exactly. She worked for CTN, and when I remembered working with her, like, she, oh, she was, like, NBC's, like, uh, foreign correspondent for, you know, China's correspondent for a long time, and before that she worked for CCTV when it was... Um, in the early days, and she's never been, and she was a business uh, reporter and anchor, so nothing she said was ever too, like, political. I think she stood within the boundaries of what was safe in her job. However, what I learned recently, there's an article on the co or whatever uh, that goes into detail, because they like to investigate via social media, on her Facebook page, and I never came across it, but she was very, she, looked. she's a very smart, intelligent Uh, I wouldn't say outspoken, but definitely very intelligent and, I guess, vocal about certain issues. And what was happening is people are speculating over whether or not she got arrested because of her Facebook diary, where she was criticizing the Chinese government for their hand of the Wuhan uh, pandemic, Mm -hmm. you know, why the government was using words like, the people of Wuhan should show gratitude. She's like, gratitude for what? People in body bags, 3,000 people dead in a day, not being able to say goodbye to loved ones. Like how, why is that gratitude? And so she was very vocal about many issues pertaining to the Chinese government. So that's obviously not being said as the link, but it could be that. Other speculations, I'll just finish up quickly, is, you know, in 2018, Australia banned Huawei because of its spying, whatever, like they're claiming their 5G network, uh, invading privacy. And then in April, you know, Australia, if you remember this, led a call for an investigation into the origins of the coronavirus, Mm. right? How people should look into, oh, is this happening like... It happened in China and Beijing perceived that as a very unfair move, as if Australia was targeting them. So you could say that this is kind of like a bilateral, you know, relationship kind of gone wrong and now Chung mm-hmm. Lei is the pawn. But it's just scary how people can disappear like that. I mean, people who have had contacts with her, they're erasing, they're untagging themselves from her photos like all her videos and links her bio her profile everything's been removed from the company website so it's as if she just disappeared without a trace mm. so to think that the government has access and control to all that information is pretty telling of uh just you know and we have the two Canadians the Michaels who who have been detained since last year related also to the Huawei case. Hmm. So it's, it's kind of, I don't know, reflective of kind of what's happening in China as it gains more power, as its relationships with other countries are uh, undergoing friction. So I just think it's, hmm. it's kind of surreal. They detained another, well, he disappeared. He was a, f- a former business anchor Ray Chunggang, like years ago, and he was known as being kind of a flamboyant, more of a playboy, but hugely popular, like millions of viewers and followers. He was on the English channel and channel two, which is their business channel in the Chinese language. And suddenly he disappeared and no one knows what happened to him. And no one asks.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think it's important to talk about China and what's going on, because I think um, you know, I, I remember people used to talk more about China's human rights violations and different things. Um, but I, I honestly think that the 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 2008 um, Be- Beijing Olympics helped normalize China in a lot of the world's mind. As, you know, sure, we know they're, you know, doing whatever, but it, it put them on a platform where... I, where, I don't know. I, I, I think it really, it really, um, it really uh, empowered them, in in a way they hadn't been empowered before. And maybe it was just a matter of time because with their 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 economy and other such things, um, it was bound to happen. But I, I do think the world's perception of China changed a lot since the two thousand eight um, Olympics, as far as you know. A, a a um a uh, global citizen where you know it, it's a country other countries would trade with, make make deals with, do business with, in a way that before, you know, there was at least a little bit more apprehension and there was a lot of um talk before those Olympics that maybe it shouldn't be awarded to China because it might help normalize um their relations. But I, I think it just goes to show like this is this is sort of the long-term result of not just that, but of a lot of things. I, I'm pretty sure the weakness of the U S right now under Trump is sort of leading to this vacuum of a world superpower and China's feeling empowered. Like I, I'm actually most scared about, um, about, you know, not just the Hong Kong situation, but the law that they implemented that like overreaching, um, and, um, in regards to people speaking out against China um, mm-hmm. and they put the jurisdiction as like worldwide. So like if you're North American, you speak out against China now. They're saying that's under their jurisdiction, which, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm getting some details of this law wrong. But I, I do know like they really expanded that Um this was, they they enacted that on the anniversary of the of the first protest breaking out in Hong Kong last year. And they enacted it, what was it, like at midnight, and then they automatically went into uh, Hong Kong and, and, and started um, basically grabbing uh, some of the more prominent protesters and people who spoke out about China. So they're really overreaching, and it's not just in Hong Kong. Um, it, they're really trying to overreach everywhere. They're saying that they, do have the power to enforce these rules across the world. And I I think that's a little bit scary because if they become the world's number one superpower, um, you know, who's, who's going to stop them.
2: Yeah. And it really is this fear of people that it's like the thought police, right? So then it's kind of making sure that everyone in the world is on the same page in terms of ideology and beliefs and any kind of detraction from that is going to seen as, like, treason, right?
1: Yeah, but they don't have the resources for that. Like, that's that's kind of, like, I mean, it yeah, sounds I, scary, but, but, like, that's not... they are not going to take over the entire world and then nobody can say anything in the entire world. Right,
2: like, right. It's like, crazy,
1: especially because, like, China, like, with their... They have an aging population right now that's going to mess them up, all right? Like, everybody's getting old over there. Like, it's going to screw their economy. It's going to screw up their military. I think what they're doing right now... Is they're just basically in a rush to con- consolidate as much power as they can mm. because of that. They have so many problems that are gonna le- that they are kind of you know looking down line. the barrel of that. Like I don't. I mean, yeah, it's of course like you know everybody can say ah you know they look at what's happening and then they just kind of you know extrapolate that to like what if they take over the world we're gonna have to live like that and I'm, I don't I I don't really think that's gonna happen.
0: Now, that being said, learn Mandarin. Let's hope not. You, you know, you know what's funny is I—I actually, I was talking to, as you guys know, my manager David. I was talking to him. I was like, I feel like I should go back and take Mandarin. I've taken Mandarin like three separate times in my life, so I'm not starting from scratch. But um, it might not be a bad time to go back and learn Mandarin. I was just thinking. I was like, I mean, it's just a good idea because
1: mo- so many people in the world speak it. You know, I mean, the only thing, you know, what I don't know if anybody here watched Firefly. Did anybody watch that show, Firefly?
0: I saw the no. movie Serenity, but I I couldn't yeah. get into the TV so, show.
1: So, for any any geeky people watching, in Firefly, it's this, like future universe where like, I get the only languages that people still speak are like American, like English and Mandarin, and so then like the characters would occasionally like swear in Mandarin, like really poorly, okay. like. <laughs> That's so but really, fun. yeah. So, like, the only, like, languages to survive, because those are the only, like, two races that survived. Mm -hmm. Um, Although, what was really annoying about that show was, like, they would speak English and Mandarin, and they would never, not a single Asian on that show that I remember seeing. Oh,
0: that definitely sounds like Hollywood in the early 2000s. Um, Yeah. You know, hopefully hopefully that's changing. Um, Hopefully we'll be part of that change. Um, so uh, thank you for that, Jennifer, and hopefully we hear some good news about your friend at some point. But who knows? Who knows? That's just a horrible thing. Um, thoughts go out to uh, to her family um, and her children. Goodness, that's just crazy. Um, so. Um, Bringing it back to North America and uh, all the crazy shit that's going on in North America right now. Um, Of course, as, as you've probably heard, there was this video of Jacob Blake being shot seven times in the back. He's now paralyzed. And for some reason, he is handcuffed to a hospital bed, even though he's paralyzed. I, I don't know, somebody help me figure that shit out, but uh, the NBA players decided to to take a stand against what was happening, and uh, I'll throw over to Leonard Chan for uh, his thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, so this, uh, for, for those who heard, so Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Bucks who were in Wisconsin, that's where their shooting took place, it was Kenosha, Wisconsin. So the A few teams had already been talking about boycotting the NBA, the playoffs, which are happening right now in a bubble in Disneyland. Uh, In fact, uh, a Toronto player, Fred Van Vliet, was one of the first who suggested in Toronto saying, like, what they're doing isn't enough. Like, they have, you know, they have, like, jerseys that say Black Lives Matter. It's like, they are pushing it a lot, but he's like, you know, we got to do more than this, which is incredible to me, because, like, Van Vliet, he's, like, up for a contract negotiation. And, like, for him to be, like, suggesting they just boycott playoffs, like, that's not good in terms of trying to, like, get money from the owners who are trying to get you to play. So, I mean, that's incredible. Like, talk about putting your money where your mouth is. Uh, but then Milwaukee actually did it against Orlando. They, like, stepped out, and uh, which was so strong to me. Uh, like, the only thing better, I think, is if, like, they – had come out and just let the shot clock clock expire like every single possession for the entire game. (laughs) Just made every, forced everybody to watch that. To be like, look, we'll start shooting when the police stop. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. But but it was great. Like this is, it's a really interesting uh, to, it's been really interesting to watch in real time to see like how this protest you know, because this isn't, this isn't the first time, like, players have boycotted in the NBA, but the, the last big one, there's one in 1964 where they were boycotting because they wanted to fix their own pensions and stuff like that. They won. And in 1961, Bill Russell led a boycott uh, that uh, in the name of racial justice. And now, like, <laughs> like 60 years later, same thing, still happening. So good job, America. Uh, <laughs> mm. But it's like they, you know, it's uh, like LeBron. Actually, during the boycott, he like just called up Barack Obama, so he like led a meeting with like some other players him Barack Obama. Which what a what a move that is! What a big dick move! Just be like, let me call my boy Barry. <laughs> Let's figure this out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so now uh, in exchange for going back to play, uh, they got the NBA to make some concessions. Um, like they're gonna continue to put out like tv spots about like voting access and stuff like that during the entire postseason there'd be a coalition of players coaches and uh owners to talk about how they can make more sustainable change they got the state of wisconsin to put a police reform bill back on the table in congress and any owner who has access like who can actually uh control the arena properties they have agreed to turn all those into places where people can vote because really, that's the most important thing that anybody can do right now in this election is vote. Um, mm-hmm. Even though, you know, Trump is doing his damnedest to stop that from happening. But yeah, anyways, I thought this was is really cool. This uh, this boycott. I mean, the 76ers decided to boycott real early. Uh, they boycotted the plan before anybody else. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad they did it. If for... No other reason than Kyle Lowry needed more time to heal from his ankle injury. <laughs> uh, not that it's doing any good.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I am in a hundred percent agreement and support of the NBA players on this. You know, they they're right. People did kind of move on. Um, the The narrative changed, and they needed to do something. Um, and, uh, and, and refocus people's attention because what they're doing weren't enough. And I think, I, I think they actually went kind of easy on the owners because let, let's just be real. These owners, so 29 out of the 30 majority owners are white, despite the fact that 75% of the players in the NBA are black. And these owners, the majority of them are Republicans quite a few of them have donated to Donald Trump. So you're basically making money for people who are then donating to Donald Trump. I was like, yeah, boycott. And, you know, I, I, I I get it. There's repercussions for the players too. And they're losing money.
1: Like, well, not just that, like if they boycott the rest of the season, that's the end of the collective bargaining agreement. Like they are not only do they like, I mean, sure. The players, the problem is this, like the players in the playoffs, they are the only ones who can make this decision. All the other players are sitting at home like they can't do anything. And if the players in the playoff decide we're out, there goes the collective bargain agreement and they screw every other player in the NBA. So it's really, I get it. The fact that they, you know, like this boycott was done with like the support of the owners, you know, because mm-hmm. for them it's like this is good PR too, right? Even though they probably some of them are like, ah, couldn't care less or mm-hmm. want them to play. But, you know.
0: Yeah, you know they did what they could do. The the sad thing is that the NBA is way more progressive than any other league in the U.S. on this issue, and and still I think they're not doing even close to enough. Like when the NBA came out and said they're going to donate three hundred million dollars to Black Lives Matter, that sounds good on a news story, but that's three hundred million over ten years. Across thirty teams, that's one million dollars per year per team for ten years. One million. Some of these owners are worth seventy billion dollars. One million dollars per year. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. I would have. I would have started with my list of demands there. Maybe three hundred million dollars a year. Let, let's start there. <laughs> that's like ten million dollars a year. Honestly, for an NBA owner, that's nothing. Um, I think the bigger issue too is that they are a league of black men of majority black men making money for white guys who are just not paying it back because you know what, there there's all these things in, in different sports where they're like, you know, the number of coaches, I think right now the NBA is down to four head coaches who are black out of 30 and only one team president who's black. Um, Luckily it's, it's um, from, from Toronto, Um, our team president, uh, Masai Ujiri. And, I think it's it's ridiculous. Like other leagues have tried to put in different things like the Rooney rule in the NFL where they force you to like interview um, black people for different positions. But basically all you're doing is asking rich white people to have a conscience. I think the only way you're going to get it to change and for this league to be truly progressive is they have to change the ownership structure where honestly, if I was the players, I would boycott until they had a rule. Every team that's sold from now on until half the team is owned by black people, a majority owned um, every team that's sold, including the Tim, the Minnesota Timberwolves who are going to be up for sale very soon has to go to a group led by a black ownership group. Like I, I wouldn't even take the court until that was the case. Stop selling it to rich white people who are supporting Donald Trump, so they can just leverage black athletes to become even bigger billionaires. Like they have the power. Now's the time. I, I'm, I'm telling you. I know it sounds radical, but if they sell the we <laughs> Timberwolves,
1: must die. <laughs> It's Delroy Lindo's like, (laughs) I want to own the team.
0: (laughs) if If they sell the team, if they sell the Minnesota Timberwolves to a white owner, again, this is ridiculous. I've never believed that asking people nicely is the way to progress. They're never, they might throw you a bone once in a while, but true progress doesn't happen until you rip the power from the, I was going to say cold dead hands, but I don't want anybody murdered. But, like, well, what if, r- rip it away from their if, rich ass hands. I don't know.
1: Well, what if what if the white people offer more money than the black people? Then what? You can't force people to sell for less because of race. That's not fair. Yeah, way. it's
2: kind of, that's the flaw of the laissez-faire economy, right? Where it's...
0: Yeah. Which is which is why the players have to force it, because, yes, you would be undervaluing the teams if you got rid of bidders. The more bidders you have, the more something can be valued at. But if you're the players like I know Kyrie Irving, um, basically, you know, before going back to the bubble, he said we should just end this league and start a whole new league with all black owners. Like, oh, really? yeah. sure. oh,
1: wow. that's great. Okay. He also believes the earth is flat, but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> Listen, I,
0: I, I yes. don't believe in everything Kyrie Irving says, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even sure about starting over. And I do know it's going to take a big financial hit, but like I said, you just change doesn't happen when there's 29 white owners against one Michael Jordan trying to speak for all black people yeah. all the time.
2: You know- It always bothered me. And I know the comparison has been made, you know, for people talking about like the white owners with the black players and then the trade. And I know the comparison has been made out there like with like modern day, like it's obviously not a slave trade, but the analogy of like just white owners with, you know, black players. And it's like, you know, they're true. Well, if you're a free agent, I guess you can go where you go. But And even my son, who's a crazy basketball fan, I think he asked at the age of, like, four or something, and he's a diehard Raptors fan, he asked, like, quite innocently, like, Mommy, Daddy, why are all, like, the the players are, you know, brown-skinned people, but everyone around them is white? (laughs) You know what I mean? And it was, like, a real observation, like, the men in the suits, the fucking executives, and that's just... Because I didn't
1: know how, brown, how to respond. Brown skin players are really good at playing the game, and then the white, white players, people or are, white people, are really good at playing a different game a different using of- the
2: black players yeah. as their pieces. As <laughs> their pieces, yeah, yeah. That's I just, I, I do think that <laughs> a black ownership, more black ownership in the NBA, would be a refreshing change. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think they've
0: got to write it into the next collective bargaining agreement because you know, like you said, Leonard, it's not just going to happen because it will bring down the value of the teams, but it also looks very bad on the league that sure there's only like in yeah, it 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 just looks bad and it 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 can't it can't continue. In in my view, I would you know, obviously easy for me to say because I'm poor, but you know,
1: yeah, exactly. Like if if I could afford an NBA team. Yeah, like, I wouldn't be buying. The I wouldn't be buying the Timberwolves first of all. But yeah, <laughs> well,
2: you know, in, in the leadership level, the deputy commissioner, you know, who could be in line to be the next commissioner, he is half black and half Chinese, Mark Tatum. Mm. So, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that will help. Change at least. That be, you know.
0: That's, oh, well, that's progress. We'll, we'll take it where, where wherever exactly. we can get it. And, you know, I do want to say, listen, I, I'm not judging the NBA players. I think um, it was up to a billion dollars in player salaries were on the line if they chose not to play. And one of the biggest ways you can make a difference in your community is to make a billion dollars and then invest it in your community. Yeah, so, exactly. listen, I get it. A billion dollars, go play, but put in some rules for next time. This is a moment in history, like Leonard said. This has only happened every like forty, sixty years. This is a time to use your leverage and understand you have it.
2: Um, yeah, Jeff Bezos needs to do something, like just reallocate some of those billions of dollars he's sitting on from all our COVID spending.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can Sacrifice
1: him into a volcano, and that'll you just really solve He
2: Yet he's not—he's not doing enough. Like in this, in the scheme of if you're going to compare Gates. And Bezos, like he really, what has he done? He, he didn't ask
1: for people to donate to poor Amazon employees. That was nice. Yeah.
0: And he's,
2: <laughs> how about you donate?
0: <laughs> and he's he's been laying off people, despite becoming even richer. So you know, yeah, and not paying taxes. So.
1: Yeah, we are 100% burning down the wrong Amazon. I say this all yeah. the time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, um, here's my attempt at a somewhat uh, credible transition, but we go from the <laughs> NBA to uh, black businesses are being disrupted in Toronto mm-hmm. on the corner of Eglinton and I don't know where. Um, I, I don't, Oakwood. don't know. They... Oakwood. 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 Okay. It's
2: like near Dufferin. Between Dufferin and Bathroom. Basically. Yeah, so I I came across this story, I guess it was last week, and I think a a few police officers, like it was kind of, if you look at the photos, uh, a huge standstill kind of, it looked almost like a snippet of not exactly what's happening in Portland, which I will say is quite impressive. Did you know that Portland, Oregon is the only kind of place in the U.S. which has been protesting the black lives matter movement and just you know the death of George floyd and all these you know things that are happening like the racial unrest they've been protesting for over a hundred straight days so and this and if you've been to Portland oregon you know it's just a bunch of kind of like hipster vegans right
0: yeah it's also they're, the it's also the, the
2: so interesting because I just that was kind of be like the last place I expect but now it kind of makes sense like
0: Yeah, Portland's pretty surprising. It's also the second highest proportion of population who are gay outside of um, San Francisco.
2: Right, right. And also...
0: So they're used to marching, is what you're saying.
2: (laughs) That is true, that
0: is true. Yeah,
1: But it's
2: also the headquarters of Nike, so... So they got good shoes to march (laughs) in. A lot of, yeah, they're, yeah. So anyways, I wanted to say, yeah, so there was a protest uh, because a lot of black business owners are saying that, as we know, in Toronto, the Eglinton subway line is now, what, po- over seven years in the making?
1: Mm.
2: Is it close to seven? Yeah. In China, the subway line would have been done in six months. I'm not even kidding you. Like, <laughs> like the entire high speed train was probably between like Shanghai and Beijing was probably completed in two years. And this Eglinton subway line, where we drove along Eglinton today all the way past Oakwood. And we could see a lot of the storefronts just completely, like your storefront is covered up by scaffolding and boards and there's cranes all over the place. The entire street, right, full of business businesses that were open before, like you are not walking down a construction zone. Anymore, So I feel like the Eglinton subway line has really been like the real COVID-19 before COVID actually hit. So these businesses weren't even affected by COVID because of the stupid freaking subway project. And I, I do think that like it's fair to complain because I mean I know this is government funded blah 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 and we're a union. But like why can't if businesses if The economy is suffering. If people have a real concern, why can't the government say, Okay, let's mobilize like everyone to get this shit done so that people can get on with their lives? Like, imagine you know how annoying construction is when you've got it on your road or your block or near your house, or for even like a day, the noise. Imagine the residents living there, and then imagine the people who have invested their entire livelihood into a family business. We're not talking corporations or Starbucks, we're talking like family owned, independent businesses. And a lot of them are black businesses. And it's just like completely obliterated mm-hmm. by this stupid subway line, which I will say when it's done, will increase the pop- property value nearby. But when is it going to be done? We saw a guy, it was an Asian guy, lowering a string into a sewer while a cop watched him today. That was the only action happening. <laughs> was, he fishing? Action- was he fishing? I don't know. Maybe to catch. it was bizarre. We were like, this is the activity that's happening.
1: I don't know. It's, you know what? The thing is this, like, I get it, you know, like any business owner should be upset yeah. about yeah. that. I think it's, I mean, and yes, because it's a concentration in that specific area, it's like black owned businesses. Uh, but I just find it kind of amusing. Uh, you know, that, you know, to say like specifically it's black-owned, like it's some sort of racial element, because literally everybody along that street, whether it's black or whatever color you are along Eglinton, is gonna get screwed right. by that subway when it gets built, right? And so, mm. you know, like yeah, so it just happens to be going through that area where it's like black-owned yeah. business. And by the way, like prior to that, like there's another highway. Um, so the you know the allen Expressway. It's an, so for those who aren't from Toronto, it's. A like if you want to get from like midtown to downtown, it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, because there's no so fast way to do it, and they used to, and they had plans to build a highway, basically extend the Allen all the way down from the 401 down to the Gardner. Mm. But they couldn't do it because they had to go through a bunch of Jewish neighborhoods, and they were like, "Oh hell no!" Yeah. And so then it stopped, right? Wow. So this, you know, so then there's always something standing in the way of progress. You know how much I would love to have you know like that artery going down like through Um, the
2: oh it would be a game game changer it would be
1: amazing but but, you know but you can't displace juice that's not a thing you can do so you know went bad in the 40s when they did that so um Hmm. anyway so i just find it amusing especially and i also find it really amusing that a bunch of like Black people are complaining about an Underground Railroad,
0: but that's a whole separate thing. It's
2: supposed to be a good thing, but it's ruining
0: everything. Uh, uh, David David from Facebook says that the Eglinton line is supposed to be finished in 2021, but I'm not sure if that was the projection before COVID. I feel like COVID might have changed that end date. But uh, yeah, Jennifer's right. It's been going on for quite a while
2: yeah
0: um okay our next topic actually comes from one of our loyal listeners heather chan Um, hello heather if you're listening um we are covering the topic that you sent in if you are a listener and would like us to cover a a topic related to asians or just a general topic but we'll probably be more likely to cover it if it has something to do with asians um Uh, definitely send it in um, at Vong Show on any of the social medias Um, so the topic that Heather sent in was she found a t-shirt online that was kind of trending that said I don't need to hear about your Asian wife um, which is kind of related to people coming up and just volunteering, and when I say people, I mean white people coming out volunteering. <laughs> yeah. um, the fact that their wife is Asian or something similar, just throwing oh, it out yeah. there. Um. So let's uh, let's head over to Leonard for his thoughts on uh, on that topic.
1: Yeah, it's annoying because it's happened to me a bunch, uh, especially after comedy shows. Like somebody will come up to me and say some like racist bullshit, and they'll be like, "No, it's okay. My wife is Asian." I was <laughs> <It's> like. <laughs> Well, where is she? She'd like to get away with this shit? <laughs> like, do you uh, hear yourself? Like, they use it like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's nuts. Right? And it's like, look, and just because you have an Asian wife that doesn't make you not a racist, like, the cop who murdered George Floyd had an Asian wife. Yeah. Okay? so... <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other thing is, like, they kind of use it, uh, you know, like, uh, like, suddenly they're an expert on all things Asian. Like, I married an Asian. Therefore, I know about Asian stuff. I know all this stuff. I married an Asian. I'm like, you know, you don't really know, all right? You, every, you know, every couple weeks, she lets you inside her. But, she, that's, you know, it's, it's not like, you don't, you don't, you know, consume that knowledge, all right? You don't have the lived experience. And you certainly can't use it as, like, a backstage pass for all things Asian, you know?
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, it's kind of like the new, like my wife is Asian is like the new, my best friend is black.
1: Like mm, it's exactly. A, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And where, yeah. where I really see it a lot is in, you know, in my old life in, in corporate Toronto, Where they'd have, like, these diversity committees, but because it was a committee of executives, it was all straight white guys, but then the one to lead it would always be the one who married an Asian woman, because that made him, like, the expert, as opposed to getting (laughs) actual visible minorities on the committee, it was, like, always... That one guy who married an Asian uh, coming down yeah. and telling the rest of the employees how to be, like, inclusive. Yeah. It was like, okay. Like, suddenly
1: he's diverse, you know? Like, yeah. he, he, it, like just, like, marrying an Asian makes him Asian. Like, just, you know what? That's just, like, look, I have a white wife. It doesn't make me an expert on white women or, like, white culture. Like, I went to private school or I went to Queens University. That's what made me an expert on white culture, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah yeah. I, like, yeah I don't know I feel like people just marry minorities as a beard for their racism like it's just so convenient to be like uh-huh. oh no <laughs> I no, cocks. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I, I I I but I it's
1: just a fetish they're just they're just uh satisfying the fetish
0: yeah I, I yeah. think I think too sometimes the people who will only date of a certain race are actually quite racist so in the gay community white guys who only date Asians are called rice queens and like i will not date a race queen and like i've dated white guys but all the white guys i've dated i was generally like their only asian boyfriend or like i knew they had dated other races because if i hear somebody has only dated asians like i run in the other direction because It is not like not like if if you think just dating Asians makes you not racist, like no, it actually attracts super racist people because then you're like a commodity. You're something that can be like replaced with another Asian as soon as you run out of usefulness.
1: And it's not like there's any shortage of Asians out there. Like
2: (laughs) no, it is it is disgusting. It really is like pedophilia. No. Oh, Jennifer!
0: <laughs> I, I, I I feel like the thing you're gonna miss most in comedy is being able that to make pedophilia jokes because
2: Asian women, you know, have bodies <laughs> that resemble prepubescent boys. <laughs> like, and also like, who's it's who's, just who's gonna football.
0: who's gonna fight against pedophilia now in the in the I, comedy community? I, you were like the leading voice. Well, we'll just yeah. have to play back your clips. Um, <laughs> um okay, thank you Leonard for covering that topic and thank you Heather, for sending in that topic. Next we will completely completely um change gears and I'll head over to Jennifer to talk about the MTV VMAs, the video music awards um and she has a con she has an opinion about the song "Rain on Me) <laughs>
2: Okay, I can't even tell tell you, I can't even tell you how this song got to be a hit, but it is by far Lady Gaga's worst song ever, and she is a brilliant artist, okay? Every single track in Born This Way, almost, very good. The VMAs were Sunday, and they were the first kind of televised or, you know, big awards televised shows since the pandemic um, hit, and a lot of it was done pre-recorded virtually. So her and Ariana Grande like shared the stage. And I think they tied for a few things. But she took home something called the Tricon Award. Tricon, T-R-I-C-O-N. I have no idea what it means, but it's a big deal. It's like a Lifetime Achievement Award or something. Mm-hmm. And she, she kind of made a really good speech about like, hey, you know, to all the little good boys and girls out there thinking that you'll never make it, like I failed at acting so many times. I was rejected as a young musician so many times, but like, look at me now, I'm winning this award. I never thought I'd win this award. So follow your dreams. Look at me. woo! And I got like, of course, 20 different crazy outfit changes, which is great. But then there was a part of her speech, which I found kind of a little confusing. She was like, when I was being like dined by executives, okay, they take me to like Nobu or like other fancy restaurants. And they'd be like, why aren't you eating? Why aren't you eating? And and I'd be like, oh, no, I'm just going to have a whiskey on the rocks. That's all. Because I didn't come here for the sushi, bitch. (laughs) She didn't say sushi, bitch. But she was like, don't eat the sushi. Her message, her ending message was, don't eat the sushi. I'm not here for the California roll. And I was just like, are you racist towards Asians? No. But it wasn't even about that. It was kind of like, so you're proposing alcoholism, over like healthy eating, like you should just drink on an empty stomach. I found that to be really weird advice. Yeah, <laughs> if somebody wants to
1: buy me food at Nobu, I'm gonna eat at Nobu. Yeah. Are you kidding? I'll, and I will also get whiskey. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I,
2: it just seemed like she was trying to say, like, don't eat the free dinner and be like swooned by the lavish Hollywood, like the perks of being somebody on their way to being famous, like. Get your drink so you've got your liquid courage or whatever, and don't touch the sushi. It well, was a very cryptic, weird message, and I just mm. thought rain on me was crap, so I just thought the whole thing was like, <laughs> <laughs> like now I'm going to go eat a tempura roll, just to like wash my mouth of that whole. Mm message but whatever it's lady gaga right like she's an icon she's 34 years old and damn who wouldn't want to be her so maybe guys maybe i shouldn't meet the california roll maybe uh people who do in hollywood get worms and they die an early death who knows
1: yeah. maybe she don't knows something. wear a dress made out of
2: meat <laughs> drink, drink drink your hearts out but don't eat the california roll
0: yeah, you know, I've I've been following yeah. Lady Gaga's career obviously since the beginning. She came out with such a huge hit record with "Just Dance," and then uh, followed up with the uh, the deluxe version of that Monster album um, with uh, with Bad Romance. It was it was just going on quite a trajectory, just a sound we hadn't heard before. And then for whatever reason, and I'll, I'll disagree with Jennifer about the. Um, about the Born This Way album, I felt like that's when she went back to kind of 80s-inspired Madonna style, and now that seems to be, you know, her kind of thing, but, like, her original sound was so breathtaking and so, like, I'd never heard anything like Bad Romance before. And then Mm -hmm. she just sort of took it, and, you know, obviously Madonna wasn't happy. Madonna came out and actually, you know, in in not nice words basically was like a bitch stop ripping me off Um, and then they had a whole fight then Elton John stepped in anyway it was a whole thing but like it's sort of her sound now and rain on me is like that same 80s no I don't
2: know no I don't
0: I don't really feel I
2: hate that I'm saying I hate that I liked her music in a star is born with Bradley Cooper Um, But
0: that was also different from
1: anything else she's done though like in uh, A Star is Born? Uh, like Shallow? Uh, That's uh, not like very... Shallow Was yeah, not Poker face.
0: face. Yeah, you know, you know, I, 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 I even... Girl. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was kind of happy because I thought she was going in the right direction again because after the failure of Art Pop... She kind of gave up that weird 80s-inspired sound, and then she went and did, you know, the Joanna album, the one with uh, Million Reasons. is very stripped down, very mm. just with the vocals. And she did the thing with Tony Bennett, very stripped down. Then she did, you know, Shallow and A Star Is Born. It seemed like a new direction. And then now this one, she's literally just reset back to the Bored In This Way sound, and I'm like, I don't know, girl. I mean... I ain't feeling oh, it.
2: Oh, God, that sucks. I can't even get past, like, every time the first court, like, the first few words come out, I just switch. <laughs> like, change that shit. Oh, I cannot stand it. What is going on? Like, did the coins get splattered at a laundromat and now all the lint is flying everywhere? I don't know. It just sounds like a mess.
1: I feel like Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift just switch sounds, like. <laughs> like folklore. Yeah, and I didn't even it's know like,
2: Ariana Grande was in that song. Like, that's what <laughs> kind of I hate to change it right away. Like, um, I can't get through. So.
1: But she's very talented. I had to see her yes. twice in yes. concert. I didn't amazing. want to go either time, but I could not deny that she was very good. <laughs>
2: she's very good. And a great
0: actress. No, she's amazing. I think she's like the Barbara Streisand of our generation. And she just took it to a whole new level. Um, so, you know, Got she's... The Listen, she she can do whatever she wants. She can release whatever kind of sound because she's proven she can do whatever. I won't be buying this album, but uh, I'm sure she'll have a new sound next album and I'll either love it or hate it. And that's the great sign of an artist. But the fact that I'll be waiting with bated breath to see what she does just shows the star that she is. Okay, thank you, um, Jennifer. Now we're going to stick with the music theme, but in a very different context, going away from the VMAs and going to the Republican National Convention and their musical choices. Let's head on over to Leonard.
1: Yeah, it's not the VMAs. Uh, the RNC was uh,
0: <laughs> was much uh,
1: less festive, much more apocalyptic, I guess, Um uh, <laughs> But the thing I noticed is uh, at the end of the night, on night four of the uh, of the RNC, which is in front of the White House with 1500 people without masks, because coronavirus is no longer a thing. That's the one thing I learned from the RNC is that COVID never existed. But they were playing uh, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And of course, I got to stand up because we got the same name. Uh, this is my little slice of Leonard news, right? <laughs> so they played, yeah, they played his hallelujah, which of course his estate was like, yo, we did not want that to happen. Uh, and in fact, they had asked his estate for permission. They said no, and then they played it anyways. Wow. And and they were saying, yeah, like, uh, they, the, the Leonard Cohen estate said that we would have let them use you wanted darker. <laughs> like that's something we would have let them use. <laughs> Uh, but this happens all the time. All right. Like, like Trump has done this a bunch, uh, like with the Rolling Stones and Tom Petty. Hillary Clinton got in trouble for using Bikini Hill's uh, Rebel Girl without permission. Oh. Uh, Neil Young just filed a lawsuit against Trump for playing rockin' in the free world without permission. This happens all the time because, uh, well, first, Americans have no respect for copyright, just like the Chinese. So they're not that far apart. Uh <laughs> But also, um, in U.S. copyright law, it, it, this is actually just legal. We're <laughs> just allowed to do this there's, so they can complain about it all the time, but they can just do this because there's a thing called a blanket licensing regime. And so, uh, anytime if you have are putting on an outdoor event or anything or, uh, or even just to play it in the bars and jukeboxes or like or what allows cover bands to play this shit, uh, there's. You can basically pay like this fee and you can use a catalog of songs like through BMI or the ASCAP and then most of these songs are under there. So it's not like, so you can just use anything Um, because in in the U.S. there's no such thing as uh, moral rights, which they have in Canada, which I'm allowed, like any contract I've signed for comedy, for albums, for anything I've released has something called moral rights, which says that if I don't agree with the thing that this is being used for, I can say no, you don't get to use this. But that's not the case in America. In America, they use whatever the hell they want, and then they can mm. just say, "Hey." And so then it seems like an implicit, like a tacit endorsement. Like there, like it sounds like Leonard Cohen's, like, "Oh yeah, Trump," uh, yeah. <laughs> which I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can. That's why you can have cover bands, right? Which I hate. I think cover bands are stupid because that can't be a cover comic, right? could be like a Chris Rock cover comic. <laughs> They'd be like, like, there's Chinese people and there's chicks and chicks have got to go. Like, I can't do that.
0: <laughs> you know, so. I, I, I get what you're saying. Just on an aside, I, I do wish that comedy would allow a little bit more leeway with covering material. Um, obviously, it's a huge no-no in comedy. But I feel like, like music, there should be a little bit to bring back some of the material from the legends and play off of it a little bit as long as you are uh, giving credit to, like, the original yeah. concept. Because, like, if somebody had a really great premise back then, it'd be kind of great yeah. to, like, update it for 2020 but sure. while giving proper credit. But I won't even go anywhere near any of that because in comedy, it's just such a huge issue that, you know, yeah. like...
1: I mean, could you do, like, an updated, like, the seven words you can't say on TV, which I don't even know what the fuck they are anymore, (laughs) because you can pretty much say anything on TV now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's hard comedy, because, like, sometimes, you know, people will accuse people of plagiarism, but in actuality, it's possible that two people might have the same premise or thought or joke or idea, and then it's like, you haven't watched every comedian from the past, like... 200 years, then you might not know, right? If you don't do your research, and then it's an innocent mistake, like...
1: Yeah, but once you're told about it, that's the thing, right? You can make innocent mistakes. That's absolutely fine, and very common. Like, I've done that. I've told jokes where then another comic is like, hey, that's my joke, and I'll be like, Mm -hmm. oh. And then they'll be like, this is a special I recorded it on, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then I'm definitely not going to do it anymore, right? But there's other times where it's like, well, my joke is different enough. I know what came about it, you know, organically, and I know what came about it in a different way. I'll talk to the other comic. I'll say like, look, like this is my angle on it, and we'll have a discussion, right? And that's fine. But mm-hmm. so as long as you're respectful and, and you know, but like the joke is too close, and it's already been recorded, then that's really more a, a bad reflection on you if you put that out there, and people are like, hey, I've heard this joke. Yeah. It's just gonna look bad on you. Like I've had jokes stolen, and then people have recorded it. You know, for like specials and I'm like, Well, now I can't use them because they recorded it first. This sucks.
0: Wow. Oh no, that's why I put all my shit on YouTube. I don't care. There's gonna be a record <laughs> of all my shit. It may not be on a Netflix special, but I will send I will send a bitch a link.
2: Yeah, it's your own <laughs> copyright, right? To have your own stuff published, but then it's like, okay, that's basically kind of burned material if it gets popular and then they watch it and then you can't really use it for your TV special or whatever, but
0: whatever. Uh, yeah. I, I would kind of say it's, it's kind of weird for me. I, I, the part I was just saying before. I'm kind of kidding. I've never actually tracked somebody down for doing a joke of mine. Cause for me, I always find the jokes that overlap are jokes that can be told by multiple people. And I always said, if somebody else can tell the joke, then it's not unique enough to
2: me. It's not um, a bad joke. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: If somebody else is telling a cock rape joke, let me tell you. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna get it.
2: If someone's comparing their vagina to a scrunchie in the lost and found, it's not a special vagina. <laughs>
1: yeah. If someone marries Jackie Chan, I'm gonna be real upset. <laughs>
0: Oh, oh, Jennifer, I'm already looking through your catalog of jokes since you won't be needing them anymore. I feel like there'll be a fire that's sale. Like, I was like, hard. which one of these jokes can I tell? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure there's any of your jokes I can tell, but um, I will give it's it my like, best shot. You can shot. do
2: my White House pin jokes. You
0: can definitely do the White House jokes.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> true,
2: true. I White House pin
1: Ooh, 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 dims on all the pedophilia.
2: (laughs) I have to sign another anti-pedophilia ambassador when I leave.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay, let's uh, move on to our next topic. Um, And we will head back to Jennifer about her thoughts about the school's reopening in Ontario.
2: Okay, first of all, there's been a lot of complaining by the NDP. Okay, but... And the school boards. But in the words of Doug Ford, that's all they do. They wanna fight. The school boards, they just wanna fight. (laughs) I love Doug Ford. He's so cute. You're my
0: Oh 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 oh. oh. I mean I mean, it's
2: good that you quit
1: comedy because you just got canceled.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just I think he's got like he is an example of like of like uh what do you call? Like uh a very uh, relatable kind of ballsy politician, without being as rude or obnoxious as Trump. Like I feel like he has that same quality of this isn't some you know official on a pedestal who's just talking down to you in terms you don't understand. Like he's being pretty real in how he responds in his comments and. Look, the whole thing with the Ontario, like the Toronto District School Board, the kids were supposed to go back to school next Monday, September the 8th. But then they had something called like a staggered reopening because I think teachers were like, whoa, wait a second. We don't know what's going on and we don't feel safe. And yes, the uh, education minister has like said we can dip into our reserves and has given out, I think, 500 million dollars across to the different school boards and the schools, but it's not enough. Like we can't hire teachers in time to handle the extra, like the kids and the classroom sizes aren't um, gonna change. So what they've changed now for even the younger grades going like throughout elementary school is that the kids will be, and teachers will be required to wear a mask every day. I think lunch is gonna change. It's not a cafeteria. We might have to pack our boys their lunch and they'll sit at their desk. And I saw a picture which baffled me. They were basically like tips for how to increase social distancing within the class. And they had, you know, those like four, those tables that used to be like four tables joined into one cube, like one mahjong pile. Mm-hmm. I looked at it and then in the, in the after photo, it was just the four tables, four inches apart. But it was still, I'm like, how is that going to change the fact that you have the same number of students in the classroom, you know, all just running around like it doesn't change anything. And uh, despite that, we're still sending our kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's it been too long. They need to get out of the house. I need to feel sane again. Um, I am running out of places to take them, beaches to go to. Uh I gave each of them their own new iPhone, not their new iPhone, but like my old ones, just so they could stop using my laptop so I could do some work on it. Like, I know there's a lot of concern about remote learning and there's teachers that still don't know what that syllabus or curriculum looks like, but for the opposition to keep... Uh, referring to the uh the school plan as a bargain basement deal i'm just like this isn't mark's men's warehouse like stop treating it like some clothing sale. like what else can be done if you want them to go back to school like well,
0: well one thing i will say is like i you know i'm I'm not against kids going back to school because like i'm not a big fan of kids so if they die they die but like, <laughs> But, but I would say, <laughs> just, just representing the gay perspective here. Um, the
2: gay, anti-child perspective, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I, I, I think for me, like with, with the conservatives, I feel like there's a way you could have brought the kids back and it would have taken a little bit more investment. I mm. think they're asking for like $3.5 billion dollars And the annual budget is something roughly thirty billion that's spent in um, on education. So, like three point five billion to ensure kids are safer. You know, obviously the country's broke. Ontario's broke. Everybody's broke. But I feel like, you know, if not for the kids, then for the old people, they bring the diseases back home too. Which is not going to be me, because I'm not going to have some stupid kid kill me with his disease. But You know, I think I I do think they could have invested a little bit more and but strangely enough, because their plan is so unsafe and a lot of people are recognizing this they're saying about 25% of parents won't send their kids back to school, which is probably where you're going to get the $3.5 billion for. So in some ways you were so awful that you scared people away that you're actually going to, it's sort of like, you know what? This is like what always happens with like straight white guys. It's like, failing upward it's like they do so <laughs> stupidly that somehow it effing works out i don't understand like there's this saying there's this saying that i heard because as jennifer mentioned i'm dating a white guy and like so i hear all these weird white sayings like there's this saying like 90 percent of success is just showing up and i was like yeah if you're white <laughs> like no if you're not white and you show up they won't even open the door i was like hey, stop with these sayings stop just stops. stop, stop. All these white people failing, failing upwards. I can't take it. I can't take it. How did Doug Ford, idiot that he is, somehow stumble onto a plan so awful that it that
2: worked? Because, yeah, in retrospect,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's just a genius. <laughs> Crack whore genius. Genius drug <laughs> dealer from a typical. The they on exist. Top
2: the, on top of the school stuff, you know, it, it is now all the health officials are saying there will... It's inevitable that we're gonna see a second wave. Oh, but there're gonna be three sure. different types of waves. Like it could be small waves, one big long wave, or like intermittent waving. I don't know. It just sounds like it sounds like you know when I have irregular periods. I guess just <laughs> different crimson waves. Just not yeah. You don't know what to expect.
1: Well, it's not it's, the kids I'm worried about though. It's, it's like the stupidest stupid
0: adult. Okay, thank you for that, Jennifer. And uh, we'll be looking forward to your news updates of telling us what's happening with all these different waves. (laughs) Live (laughs) on CP24, for those who missed it earlier, tune in to CP24 for Jennifer Uh covering the pandemic and hopefully some good news too. Okay, <laughs> so we've 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 got uh, three topics left. Um, thank you, listeners, for staying with us. I know it's it is quite a few topics. We're we're almost at the end, um, and we'll uh, we'll we'll try and uh, bring our energy up for these last few as well, um, because they are uh, topics that. Uh, do make us actually quite passionate so it's it's the reason why we decided to end with these um three topics so let's go to the first hot topic from leonard jan and it is about donald trump's new advisor <laughs> i'm trying to be dramatic to up the drama for the for our final <laughs>
1: Nice. <laughs> yeah, good job. That felt real dramatic.
0: <laughs> dramatic, confusing, not too far apart. Um, so uh, Donald Trump has a new advisor who believes in herd immunity. Um, so let's go over to Leonard Chan.
1: Yeah, so obviously America is a dumpster fire right now when it comes to coronavirus. And Dr. Felci and Dr. Burks are kind of like the beacons of light trying to stave off the darkness. And here we are where... you know, Trump's like, he wants to reopen the economy, right? Because reopening the economy to him means uh, his best chance of re-election because that's all he's got. All he's got is the economy is good, which he basically juiced up an already good economy and just spent all like the, which he shouldn't have done because now they're screwed even more. But anyways, so they were looking for somebody who could offer an alternative view to Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks experts in the field of infectious diseases and they stumbled upon this guy named Scott Atlas who is a neuroradiologist uh, which from what I understand is a subspecialty of radiology uh, that focuses on the diagnosis and characterization of abnormalities of the central and peripheral nervous system spine and head which I can't help but notice has nothing to do with infectious diseases Um, (laughs) and I feel like getting a foot doctor to cure your cancer you know like i'm like what are you doing and so his thing is like uh no let's just it's been floated it's not like an official policy but it kind of looks like what everything they're doing kind of looks like they're going for the strategy of just having everybody get coronavirus so that they can get her, herd immunity right so that everybody who have the antibodies and it'll be fine and, and that's the, because right now like he's doing nothing to stop it so they're like well let's just you know what it's like it's like there's like spinning out an ice like, well, let's just turn into it. <laughs> let's just swerve into the, the into the ditch. It's insane, it's insane. Like he's it's alternative medicine, right which is already which is not medicine. if it was actual medicine, they wouldn't call it alternative medicine. You know, like Trump is already like pushing hydroxychloroquine. Like, like, and apparently, there's a study that came out saying a combination of hydroxychlor- uh, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, I think it's called, or something like that. And apparently, will increase the likelihood of death by 27%, which I guess if everybody dies, then no more coronavirus, I guess? Like, <laughs> that works. Fuck, I mean, at some point, it's just going to be like homeopathy and healing crystals. Like, it's, I don't understand what's happening, but. This is not how it works. Like, you don't just get herd immunity. Like, it's something that takes time. It takes, like, a lot. It's not going to get done before the election. And even if you could magically wave a wand and do it, what that would mean is, like, the WHO says for a population that have herd immunity, that's 65% of the population. And if the fatality rate remains around 1%, that means another 2 million dead Americans.
0: Hmm. Wow. I
1: don't know. Is that worth it for the economy, guys? I mean, some would say some would say yes. I have conservative friends who are just like, but Sweden. Look at what happened in Sweden. I was like, it didn't look good in Sweden, man, because <laughs> Sweden never locked down. That was their whole thing, and everybody was like, whoa, what's Sweden doing? Die is what Sweden was doing.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I I think it's interesting that all of this is happening because it just goes to show that the economy is the economy for an elite few. Because in yeah. America, they're the poorest, like the divide between the, the have and have nots is the greatest since the Great Depression. So yeah. for the majority of Americans, it's not a great economy. So when you wake up every day hearing about how good the economy is when so many people are out of jobs, it goes to show let's stop, let's stop using that stupid ass economy number. Like it's just so stupid when it's so concentrated um, at the yeah. top.
1: Yeah, he just looks at the stock market. He's like, but look at the stock market, which if you look at it now, I'm like, the stock market's insane. Like, why is it that high? Like, everything is falling apart underneath it. And yet it's at like a record high. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do with all my excess money. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, it's, like the the funny thing with like the herd immunity is like first Trump was saying to senior citizens, you know, to sacrifice yourselves for the greater good. And now with his school <laughs> plan, he's like, let's sacrifice kids. And then obviously he's okay with sacrificing the poor and sacrificing visible minorities. So it's gonna, he's basically ready to sacrifice everybody except for himself. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like,
1: I can't just imagine like any sort of situation. I remember, like, I forget uh, what it was when he said, like, oh, if there was like an active shooter in a building, he'd run into the building.
0: Like, oh yeah, my God. he'd be
1: throwing the elderly, he'd be throwing children, he'd be throwing minorities in front of this active shooter just to stop him from like. That's what he'd be doing. It's crazy. Yeah. like I actually said once, I was like, I was like, if Trump was offered a like some sort of Faustian deal where he could guarantee reelection, but it meant the death of another two million Americans, you do it. You oh, would 100 percent do it. And that's and that's exactly what's happening right now. Like, like a month ago I said this, and now this like herd immunity shit is basically that.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, there you go. Thank you. Thank you, Leonard. And uh hallelujah that we don't live in the US. Um, and I don't plan <laughs> on going there for a very long time. Um uh, yeah.
1: By the way, Leonard Cohen did not endorse us using the word "Hallelujah."
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if that counts of taking the Lord's name in vain. I don't really know. I I don't know these religious rules. I sort of tried <laughs> to forget them as much as I could after being forced into going to Christian church. But you know what? That's some childhood trauma. I'll talk about a different time. We will move on to yeah. our just, next topic. Just follow topic. the
1: majority of the commandments, and I think we're okay. Like, don't kill. Don't steal. Feel free to covet your neighbor's wife, though. Who gives a shit about that?
2: <laughs> and you can't say the the Lord's name in vain.
1: Yeah. She but the first it. one is, like, isn't, like, the first one honor, uh, I'm, the Lord, Lord, no, what is the first one? Honor thy mother and father? Honor thy mother and father? Is that the first one? I know thou shalt not kill is, like, or
2: fifth on the list. steal, kill, no. rape, and pillage? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I i Mike, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing
0: now but <laughs> I feel like
1: we're I, very religious bunch as you can see.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I I feel like I broke that uh Jesus commandment the one of uh taking his name in vain where during we talked about earlier about the CBC show and in in the late show I had a whole bit where I called Jesus a white ass bitch. Um Oh my god. But, uh, yeah, I said he's a white ass bitch, got killed by other white ass bitches. But the the crux of the joke is obviously he wasn't even white. But anyway, um just I, I'm only saying that before somebody emails me telling me Jesus isn't white. I'm not the one you need to tell. Go tell every fucking church with images of a pale ass <laughs> vampire bitch Jesus. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> vampire bitch. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well well that that's uh, I'm I'm kinda of ruining it now for people who watch the film, but like the whole crux is like, you know, maybe it's not such a weird idea that he's a vampire, because no wonder Jesus came back to life. You should have staked him in the heart, not the wrist. Whoa. And anyway, I'm totally going to hell. But I don't care because there isn't <laughs> there is none. Um or if there is, I already booked my ticket a long time ago. Um, okay. Final two topics. Let's go back to Jennifer um, for a trending topic. I don't know much about it other than the note I wrote to myself is bingo face mask
2: hole.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bingo face mask hole. Okay,
2: so it's not a trending topic. It's really just a question, something I never thought about. So a woman in Whitby, Ontario, uh, was denied entry to her regular, I guess, bingo hall that I guess it was the first time she was going since, you know, the pandemic had shut things down and she had lung cancer. So basically um, Mm -hmm. she breathes through a hole in her neck and they denied her entry because she wouldn't cover the hole with a mask. And this led her to cry and be completely distraught because she couldn't play bingo with her friends. And she was like, but I breathe out of this. Like, how can you ask me to cover it? Like, like wear a scarf or something or even like put a mask over her neck. It was bizarre. Like, I don't even know how logistically that would work. Like, when people breathe through your neck, do you actually see like a breath come out? Or is it just like a ventilation? Is it just like air going in and out of your ear? Like, it's... You know what I mean? So I'm just like, where do these mask laws... And so, it, so the whole thing back to that restaurant thing. Like, you're in a restaurant, and yet you're allowed to take off your mask and chow down like a freaking pit bull on kibbles, and yet a woman playing bingo where she's not, like, cigar chain-smoking out of her neck isn't even allowed to go in because she didn't have a covering for her neck. I just found that, like, very strange, like, just... What are the rules with that? Like, we're not covering all these right. special. Well, isn't
1: the rules just supposed to cover breathing holes? Like, isn't that just a lower mouth? <laughs> like, it's just it no. just comes out there, and then it just goes oh, right. I, I, what's the difference? We have to cover our nose and our mouth. What's the difference if they're if it's down here or where it's up here? Like, what's uh, the difference?
2: Yeah, you're kind of right, uh, <laughs> but I think if she's already covered here and then she covers here. I guess we're covered here, and we don't have a hole in our neck. Exactly. We- so, like, what? not our. She has an extra hole. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I think there must be something logistically sound as to why she cannot cover this hole. Like, it just gets sucked in like a vacuum. Like, maybe it has a strong yeah, okay. suction. Yeah, was- I guess. Like,
0: I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'd, I, I, I'd bad, have to I see a photo. I'd have to see a photo. Although I don't care enough to look at the photo, but in their neck. it's literally
2: a hole. It's a hole when they, you know.
0: You know, I, I I feel like there's like face coverings where it's like a full shield that some of them come down to like your chest. That would cover her Good. neck, and then it's not a cloth kind of going. I can't even imagine this hole right now. I don't even. All I can think of with holes in necks are people who had smoking issues. And I'm just trying to really forget some of those covers of cigarettes because they were very distressing seeing them, um, those images. I know they're supposed to be traumatizing, but uh, so they had their effect on me who never smoked. But um, I, I will say I have two thoughts with this. Number one is that, you know, I I was told earlier today, I was actually talking about this whole incident. I think it happened in Whitby, Ontario. And um, one thing is that in bingo halls, a lot of them do eat. So it is almost kind of like a restaurant. You're eating, you're playing bingo. Sometimes you're yeah sometimes there's a drag queen for some reason doing the drag bingo i don't know it's all these things so there are a lot of like holes and things going on um but the other thing i would say too is um you know i i I get what she's saying you know it's it's hard when you've gone through something and you feel like you're being persecuted even further and I think that is sad but I will say because the population of bingo is so old and they're just at such high risk I don't think you take a risk whether the hole is in your neck or you know I don't know where else holes come out of but wherever the holes (laughs) come out of I feel like like you gotta cover it up (laughs) well you know I'm just thinking of that song my neck my back like my, anyway, I'm just, that's all I can think about like holes everywhere and it's very <laughs> disturbing. I'm sorry that you survived cancer and then can't go out. Um, I don't know. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think if like
1: a dolphin wanted to go play bingo, they'd make it wear a hat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah. Save, save the old people. <laughs> think of, you know, you saved your Shut life up. with the cancer save the old people. She was like 65 or something. Oh, well. Oh, well. (laughs) Just be happy you're, you know, she's alive, so good for her
2: your reactions are candidly
0: unreal
2: like (laughs) I feel like I feel like I do
0: lack empathy for white people I'm assuming by bingo you meant it was the white bingo because who else plays bingo so when that like triggers I tend to have not enough empathy so your whiteness is
2: my pedophilia
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have, I have a lot of uh, pent up issues over a lifetime of oppression, (laughs) where I do have a lot of anger issues toward um, systemic oppression. And I do um, push that all onto my boyfriend every now and then. (laughs) So I do feel that
2: way. Okay, I know we're running out of time, but like it it does shape your paradigm for everything. Cause I was standing by the waiting pool, like watching my kids today, and I suddenly noticed this man kind of like just grinning and smiling and looking at all the kids. And then I said to my like I was with Emily Leonard and I said to Emily, I was like, Emily, like, do you know that guy? Like, why the hell? What gives him permission to just stand around here and like look at our kids? play in a waiting pool. And she was like, that's the lifeguard. (laughs) She she was like, "Um, did you think that maybe he's the dad of one of the kids? I look around and I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. She's like, yeah, the ratio kind of works out. And I was like, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) You know what? I see every Everyone's a pedophile to me.
0: (laughs) Loved how you uh, got in one last dig at pedophiles. Uh, Very on brand. Very on brand. Very on brand. (laughs) Okay, our final topic, and this goes back to Jennifer, and will, I think, have to be carried by Jennifer because I don't think me or Leonard have seen this on Netflix yet, but it's an anthology series called Dirty John, Betty Broderick. I have no idea what this is, but uh, Jennifer is about to illuminate
2: us. So here's... Two reasons why you need to see it, okay? Amanda Pete and Christian Slater. What? When's the last time so, you saw Christian Slater in a movie?
1: No. So, we're the, so this is like the movie from the nineties. Like, what the?
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. It takes place in like the nineteen late nineteen sixties, and it's the true, ki- like, true crime case of a housewife named Betty Broderick, who I don't think I'm spoiling it by saying that she murdered her husband and his new wife. And basically her whole divorce uh, case is why we have divorce law today, like why it is the way it is today and how it protects women, because you will see through this series um, how she was basically conned out of what she deserved from her divorce, with her marriage to this man for 16 years, giving him, 16, uh, 16, giving him four kids, helping him through med school, then law school, and yes, she spent money after they made a lot of money, but he then cheated on her, very cliche, with the secretary, and then boom, you'll see like all the ways he tried to, he really made her go insane, and I will say that I am just all for the murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. Like, I can, I understand why she killed him. Like, yeah, I probably would have as well. Yeah. Okay, like, no, I don't want to say that.
1: Now you're the Chris Rock cover, darling. Like. But, but
2: I just think it's such, a, it's such an important show if you are a law student, not even a law student, you just want to understand marriage law, divorce law, and just like, The acting, number one, is compelling. The writing is great, and it really gives you like a lesson into you know history, I guess. Mm. Plus, it's like true, based on a true story. So go watch it. I know we didn't have like a movie (laughs) review this week, but a good series to binge, definitely Dirty John. What it's called? (laughs) 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 Name ever? Dirty (laughs)
0: John oh my. oh jennifer you you had me at uh woman kills white people <laughs> that was that was enough that was you sold me you told me no uh anyway i i feel like that clip is gonna get taken out of context again last week I got into trouble um for um we were talking about uh we were talking about the conservative leadership race, and I called uh, <laughs> I called Derek Sloan a bitch-ass white boy, and people yeah. got really mad at me because they only saw that clip, but they didn't see that it was a callback, as comedians do. It was a callback wow. to our dissection of whether bitch-ass white boy is yeah. a slur because somebody was called that in the NBA. So... Yeah. Let's just say, before you come at me, educate yourselves, people. Watch the whole podcast. Uh, and-, and
1: also, like, now he's like, he, comp- he called Jesus a bitch-ass white boy. All right? So, like, he's, you know, like, Derek Sloan and Jesus are, like, in the same boat. It's all uh, good.
0: I'm consistent. I'm consistent. Yeah, if you do your research before you come at me, then you'll figure out that you were right. I am very racist. toward white people. There's a lot of evidence. <laughs> I'm not hiding it.
1: Yeah. If you do your research, you'll just have more examples. Yeah. Uh, you'll, you'll just a stronger case is really what's going to happen.
2: But it's so funny, Bong, because, like, you, oh, you like, every time I see you, you're with David, who's, like, in, you know, a white guy, and then you're married to a white guy. So who is your allegiance really to? Oh, I should have questioned it, but Hatred. Truly,
1: <laughs> he's married to hatred.
2: I don't he's well, as much as you say you do. I think I think I think the white people thing is just to the bunch that have oppressed, but it's not to everyone.
0: Well here okay, here's here's first, one thing that people need to understand. When somebody grew up in the ghetto, which is the first time I've said it all I fits <laughs> I
1: I, I was I was actually waiting. I was like, are we gonna make it? Like a whole thing? Like that's the bingo. That's that's the the bingo that this lady with the hole in her throat wasn't allowed to play. It's like the oh Jennifer pedophilia, J P (laughs) (laughs)
0: and then Volgto Blink.
1: Ah
0: okay. No listen. When people say when people from the ghetto, when they say white people, they don't mean all white people. They mean white people. It's just you're not gonna explain it every single time what you mean by white people and if you don't get what we mean then you're probably those white people
2: yeah i get it yeah it's like the problematic ones
0: yeah we're just not gonna say (laughs) problematic it just we just call you all white people even though we don't it's the specific ones it's listen learn your ghetto slang before you come at me too and you'll find them still racist. So, okay, that's it. We're gonna wrap up for this week, um, our very first all hot topics edition. And next week, we'll be back with a big blowout. Mulan is out on Disney Plus this Friday. We are doing a huge, huge Mulan week. <laughs> So uh, stay tuned, both on this podcast, also on my other podcast, Asian It's Mulan, 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 probably 10 separate goddamn reviews. Spoiler reviews, non-spoiler reviews, reaction videos to the Christina Aguilera videos, which it should have been an Asian singing those videos, bitch. I know you did it when you are 16. Yeah, but hopefully
2: did one. Yeah.
0: But yes, we will be back with... Move on, move on, and more, Mulan on until you can't take it anymore. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Thanks. We're out, and uh, thanks for listening.
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.